0: Let's so to Luke chapter number 23, please, Luke chapter number 23. I believe this is the end of this series, and this has been kind of a hodgepodge series, which is what it was when I announced it. This was, I entitled it Counseling Classics, I didn't really know what else to to call it, um, because it's not my normal series. Normally in a series, we're either walking through a passage, or walking verse by verse through a book, or maybe I've done a few topical series, like a series on the family, or a series on finances, stewardship, um, a a series in that vein, um, something of that nature, and so that this one was neither. It was not hitting a topic. It was, uh, I did a 19-week series on the life of King Saul um, in 1 Samuel, which was kind of a variety. It was topical in that we were looking at toxic leadership, but then it was verse by verse. And it was a character study, because we were studying Saul and David. And, uh, and so, normally for me, it would be a character, or it would be a topic, or it would be a book. And, and most often, it would be systematically through a book or through a passage. And this one was none of the above. This was every Sunday. Now, some of them kind of went together, but really not. They were kind of standalone messages. And every Sunday night, I think this is week 14 or 15 of this series that we've done. And they were, um, they've just been messages from passages or on topics or on that were coming up often over the last several years as I would meet with folks or there would be times of counseling or something they were walking through and it would be I would take them to this passage here's a passage that's helped me with this and here's something that I've done there and we've looked at a bunch of different things and I believe this will be the last one and uh, and I'm, I'm planning to jump into a, a study of a specific passage um, soon on Sunday evenings that will be jumping into as we continue on Sunday mornings in the book of Genesis. I think this will be the last one in this series, and tonight's topic is, uh, is really one that a lot of times when dealing with people one-on-one, there are struggles in their life because of the fact, or there are things that they're working through, they're struggling with, because they have not been able to get victory in this area. They've not been able to embody what we're going to talk about tonight, and really it's a fitting message following this morning's service because uh, the, the, the life in, of, of, of our dear brother that we saw this morning and kind of his heart toward those that had attacked our country and, and that sort of thing, but we're going to look in Luke and, and uh, this this evening if you have your notes, if you're taking notes, I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but I would encourage you to maybe jot this passage down and go and maybe this week read Matthew 27. It's about 50 some verses long. It's, it'd be a long passage for us to read together. And so I'm not, so I'm going to summarize that passage, but where we're going to be tonight in the story. And then um, in our passage here in the gospels, we're going to look as the Bible recounts really the worst of humanity. And the most wonderful thing to ever happen to mankind that was all in the same account. And that account, of course, is when our Savior showed that amazing grace that we just sang, sung about, that we, we were singing together about. And, and when, when he showed that amazing grace and as he came and died for us on the cross. We're gonna see one of the saddest yet most exciting and wonderful stories in all of Scripture. And and we're gonna look at just a couple of verses in Luke 23, but it's 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 there's a little bit more in Matthew and then some in John as you study this. But I want you to stop and think about those moments leading up to and during Jesus' crucifixion. All that he went through, he was number one, he was misunderstood. They didn't understand who he was, he was falsely accused, and I want you to think about your own life, because we're about we're going to turn this, we're not just going to look at Christ's life, we're going to turn this to our lives. He was misunderstood, he had the right motives, he had done the right actions, he had done the right things, and, and he had people that were working as hard as they could to make it seem like it was just the opposite. He had been falsely accused, he had been lied about, have you ever been there? He was hated, he was unjustly punished. He was treated like the lowest and worst of criminals. So crucifixion was one of the most shameful and most painful um, and most demeaning forms of execution. He was disrespected as badly as a person could be. They stripped him of his clothes. They spat in his face. They plucked his beard. They treated him like an animal. He was scourged and he was whipped. His words were twisted. Things that he had said that were true, they twisted and actually used them to try to get the death sentence on him. He he never said anything that wasn't true, and yet his words were used to make him look like he was saying something that he was not saying at all. Some of his friends betrayed him. Really, all of his close confidants did, at least for a season, didn't they? All All of his confidants, really, for a season, the Bible says they all walked away. Judas and others betrayed him. His good deeds were evil spoken of. He was rejected and despised. His deity was questioned and mocked. He was reviled. He paid a debt he did not owe for people that did not want his gift of love. And you can read through that in detail in Matthew 27 and some other portions. But when you stop to think about all that Christ went through, even just in the last 24, 48, 72 hours of his life, from the Last Supper with his disciples there and telling one of you is going to betray me, and, and them all, not, not me, not me, Lord, I won't. Uh, Peter, I'll never do it. I'll, I'll die for you, all of those things. And, and then walking, them, being all alone, being there as Judas kisses him, that kiss of betrayal. All of these things that he went through, he thirsted and he was weak and physically weak and all of this, and he deserved none of it. The Bible says in John, in chapter number 19, I think we have that verse for the screen, it says it was the preparation of the Passover, and and maybe we don't, I didn't actually look at the, uh, the, I I forget what slides I sent over, so we may not. Do we not have that? So if you want to jot this down, John 19, verses 14 and 15, I I forget earlier this week which verses I sent, which ones I didn't. And it was the preparation of the Passover, about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Pilate did, behold your king. But they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, shall I crucify your king? Listen to this. The chief priest answered what? We have no king but Caesar. This guy is nothing to us. This is how he was treated by the ones he had created the ones that he had done nothing but love and provide for. And I want you to look in Luke in chapter number 23. Would you read verses 33 and 34 aloud with me? Familiar verses to many of us. Luke 23, verses 33 and 34 aloud. Ready? Begin. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left, then said Jesus, Father, Father, what church? For they know not what they do, and they parted his raiment and cast lots. Father, forgive them. And here's my message, and the title's gonna seem impossible. Here's my message, and here's something that comes up often as I'm dealing with people that are struggling through things either that have recently happened, or maybe sometimes there are things that they struggle with for years and years and years on end because they've not been able to get victory in this area. The title is simply this, Forgive Like Christ. Forgive Like Christ. Humanly speaking, at the worst moment of his life, forgiveness flowed from his heart. As his ears were filled with mocking and hatred and scorn, his lips were filled with loving and unconditional forgiveness." What a savior. Jesus looked down from the cross upon the scene that was most distressing to him. The Roman soldiers were casting lots for his clothing. The criminal on the cross next to him was reviling him. The religious leaders were mocking him. The crowd was blaspheming him. Jesus looked down upon this most unworthy group of people, and what did he say? Father, what? forgive them. Those that had beaten him, those Roman soldiers that had laughed at him, maybe some that still had some of his beard that was maybe on their clothes, some of his blood had stained their, 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 out, their uniform, their, their, their military gear, th- those that had done all of these. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Even in his own agony, Jesus' concern was the, for the forgiveness of those who counted themselves among his enemies. He asked the Father to forgive the thieves on the cross who jeered and made fun of them, one who would go on to accept his mercy. He asked the Father to forgive the Roman soldiers who had mocked him, spit on him, beat him, yanked out his beard, whipped him, put a crown of thorns on his head, and nailed him cruelly to the cross. He asked forgiveness for the angry mob that had mocked him, jeered him, called for his crucifixion. Jesus was forgiving the Sadducees and the Pharisees who had demanded his death. They had rejected him as their Messiah, even though they knew who who and what he was. Jesus, in his infinite mercy, loved them and would have taken them to heaven had they humbled themselves and repented. Most importantly on the cross, Jesus was providing forgiveness for all those who would ever believe in him. You see, church, I want to remind you, the cross didn't kill Jesus. The soldiers didn't kill Jesus. That his enemies didn't kill him, the Bible says that he willingly laid down his life. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And you say, that's wonderful, I'm so glad that Jesus forgives like that. And I'm so glad that I have full, complete forgiveness, all of my sins, if I've accepted my Savior, all of my sins, past, present, and future, Jesus says that they're nailed. He's, he's nailed those, and we, we carry them no more. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, we sang it this morning, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. I'm so thankful. Aren't you thankful that he forgives us? but then I don't like this. Then the challenge is, I'm telling you, forgive like Christ, but Pastor Ryan, I'm not deity. I'm not the the only begotten Son of God. I I can't forgive someone else's sins. How can I do those things? What does the Bible say? I'm not exactly sure, by the way, but but what I'm asking you to do is not something impossible to seek to forgive like Christ, because what did Paul say to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 32, and be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted—oh, there's the verse I thought we had, but it's the wrong, uh, the wrong, the wrong thing there. That's the wrong verse there, B. Right reference—no, it's the right reference, but it's not the right verse. Is it? Oh. Oh, my bad. What? His—we're oh, having a great time tonight, aren't we? I got it all together. As his ears were filled, I must have cut and paste something wrong there. As his ears—that's probably my notes right above it—oh, there's the verse—and be he kind, one too. That top part is not Scripture, okay, guys? Those are my notes. <clears throat> I cut and pasted on the email too much. All right, you ever have a bad day at work? Okay, guys. All right, I get to have one messed up day, but uh, we'll go back to why not? Just put it right back up there and be ye kind one to another, <clears throat> tender-hearted. Here's what it says. What's that next word? Tender-hearted. What? Forgiving one another, even as, even as, for even as God for Christ's sake. Hath forgiven you. What does the Bible say? Here's your challenge. Paul says, Christian, I want you to forgive the way God forgave you. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, that doesn't seem possible. What about, let's see if, if I did this one right. What about Colossians chapter number three, verse number 13? The Bible says, forbearing. I did it right hold your applause uh, forbearing one another and forgiving notice this forgiving one another if any man have a do you notice i don't like it when there aren't loopholes i don't like it when there aren't exception clauses you've heard me say this before about ephesians four thirty two: be kind one to another okay i get to decide what that looks like and 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 i kind of and tenderhearted okay to what level and then it says, forgiving one another. Okay, those that deserve it, those that ask me, those that come truly repentant, those that are really humble, all <coughs> seek to forgive. But then he says, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know which one I don't like also? I've told you this before, where he says, love thy neighbor. Okay. But then he says, what? As thyself. Well, that's the problem because we all really love ourselves. We all want what's best for us. And he says, I want you to love those. And here, notice what it says. It says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man <clears throat> have a quarrel against any, any. You see that? There's no exception clauses. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Wow. So if you have a quarrel, if any of you, have a quarrel against any. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to forgive like Christ. To whatever measure Christ forgave you, that's the measure I want you to forgive others. We see this played out. We see these commands in the New Testament to seek to embody the forgiveness of Christ. Then we see this played out in the life of the first Christian martyr in the New Testament, Stephen. Acts chapter number seven, verses 58 through 60. The Bible says, And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was, I want you to remember that, because it was that same Paul that's telling us to forgive like Christ, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice. Would you read that in bold there, church? Ready? Begin. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. That means he died. Does that sound like somebody to you? Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There's a man that had learned to forgive like Christ. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And by the way, who was standing there hearing that and watching that in action? A persecutor named Saul, who would become what we call the Apostle Paul. Amazing that the the man who God used to write Ephesians 4.32 and Colossians 3.13 was there when Stephen died and saw the forgiveness of Christ in the life of Stephen before Saul was even a Christian. Could it be that, that it might have been that Stephen's life uh, so impacted Paul that it, it really challenged and directed much of his ministry? What a beautiful picture of God's forgiveness. Tonight is really a little bit more of a devotional a challenge. It's, it's, it's just a few points, and I don't need to be lengthy tonight. But the man who consented to the death of Christians, Saul, is now admonishing and exhorting Christians to forgive as Christ forgave. The man who preached death, Saul, can experience God's forgiveness and become a preacher of life. I want to give you three simple thoughts as we seek to forgive like Christ. What does that mean? What does that look like? These are simple thoughts, but they are not simple to live. And they are not as common as they should be amongst Christians. You see, we all have a threshold, don't we? I'll forgive this, and I'll forgive that, and I'll, but that I can't forgive. And you don't know what they did to me there, and and I by the way, I don't, and I'm not justifying it, and I'm not saying it was right, and I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm not saying that you don't you don't need to seek victory and that God, but what I am saying is there is no there is no room in 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 the gospel, there is no room in the forgiveness we've received to then. Jesus talked about it. Somebody that owes so little was forgiven, and then they, they they owed so much and they were forgiven, and then they went and they basically they they told the guy that owed them so little. No, you're going to jail until you pay me back. He said, there is no room for you to not forgive after all you've been forgiven. And we struggle so much in our relationships, and in our and what happens is these broken relationships in other parts of our lives end up coming out in these other relationships that had nothing to do with this, because we never got victory. There's bitterness that's in there. There's unforgiveness. There's anger. There's vengeance. There's, that this person did this to me, and that teacher, and that pastor, and that husband, and that wife, and that mom, and that aunt, and that uncle, and, and this coach, or whatever it might be, whoever it is in your life, whatever relationship and we hold on to that and we don't realize we think we can compartmentalize it but it comes through in every relationship of our lives until God gives us victory I want you to understand a few things number one Christ forgave everyone forgive like Christ what does that mean who did Christ not die for for God so loved the world that whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Who was there among them? Was it the, the thief that sat there mocking him on the other cross that Christ said, I'll forgive all of you, but you've gone too far? Was it the Roman soldiers that scourged him and made it to where they said you couldn't even tell he was a man? His body was so mangled, his face was so bloodied? Was it the one that took the reed to, to, to hammer the, thorn of, uh, the crown of thorns upon his head? Did he say, I'll forgive all of them, but I can't forgive that one right there? It's those Pharisees, they know who I am, they know who I really am, but I'm just bad for business, and so they're falsely accusing me. I'll forgive all of them, but I was it Judas? I can't forgive Judas, I, I invested in him. For three years, I walked with him. I made sure that his needs were taken care of. I let him into my innermost life. He walked with me every moment. And that, that one that walked with me, he betrayed me. I can forgive all of them, but I can't forgive that betrayal. Was there anybody that Jesus didn't forgive? And what does the Bible say? Even as Christ forgave, so also do ye. Who did Christ forgive? Christ forgave everyone. His love was unconditional. No one beyond the reach of his forgiveness, no matter what they had done or what they have done today, no matter how they had hurt him, no matter what they had said about him, if he could say that at the crucifixion, the time when the the largest number of people had turned against him, his disciples had walked away, all of these things had happened, and what did he say? Father, in the lowest moment of his life when he's being hurt by the most people father forgive them for they know not what they do so who are you having a hard time forgiving who do you refuse to forgive well they didn't ask me the crowd didn't ask jesus they didn't apologize the crowd didn't apologize they said we have no king but caesar who's that guy put him to death Forgive them. Well, they did me wrong. They did him wrong. Who is it that you cannot forgive? What grudge are you holding? What bitterness won't you let go of? What anger exists and lives in the dark corners of your heart? When we are unable to forgive, it's a clear sign that we don't truly realize the power of the gospel in our lives. We have not fully embraced all that God has done for us. He forgave everyone. You've heard this statement before. I've said it before. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to realize that that prisoner was you. Number one, Christ forgave everyone. Number two, Christ forgave completely or Christ forgave everything. Not only was there no, no one beyond the reach of his forgiveness, there was no thing beyond the reach of his forgiveness. There is nothing that you or I or anyone can do that exhausts the measure of his forgiveness. There is no hurt, no betrayal, no wickedness that can be done that cannot be forgiven. I am not saying there are not consequences to sins. I'm not saying that you allow someone just to abuse you or to, to completely criminally mistreat you and that you don't, you don't follow proper courses of action. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying with, with God, there are consequences to our sins. It's been said God forgives sins, He doesn't relieve consequences. You and I can sin against God, and we may face the consequences of those sins. My, my, my grandfather, he died of emphysema, and I remember when he was in um, some of the last few years of his life, he was, he, he told me, he sat me down and said, Ryan, promise me you'll never touch a cigarette. Promise me you'll never smoke a cigarette. I remember walking with him in the shopping mall when I was probably seven or eight or nine years old. He had an oxygen tank, and we could walk from one bench in the middle of the mall to the next, and he'd have to sit down and rest. He said, Ryan, promise me you'll never, what was he saying? And by the way, what was he trying to tell me? There are consequences to my actions, I don't want you—now, he no longer smoked cigarettes anymore at that point of his life. He had been saved later on in life. He was not involved with alcohol as he had once been, and he was not—he at one time had been an unfaithful husband. He was no longer that. All of these things, he had been forgiven, but there were some consequences to the actions of his life that he was still living with. I'm not saying that that there are not consequences or decisions we have to make in our lives because of maybe actions of others. What I am saying is be careful that there, there is no thing beyond the reach of our forgiveness. Could it be said of you? Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. If the people in, let me say it this way, if you were forgiven by Christ the way that the people in your life are forgiven by you, How forgiven would you be if you were forgiven by christ the way the people in your life that have done you wrong are forgiven by you how forgiven would you be aren't you glad bible says my sins my iniquities he remembers no more Aren't you glad that as far as the east is from the west, so has he removed our iniquity from us. He remembered. This doesn't mean he's an old senile grandfather up in heaven that can't remember things. This means he has chosen because of his son's payment to forgive us of our sins, and he no longer holds it against us. Aren't you glad that the old account was settled long ago? Aren't you glad the record's clear today? Aren't you glad that God extended that forgiveness to you and to me? And then he said, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. How do you forgive like Christ? How do you forgive like Christ? You know how you forgive, well, when you realize? how much you've been forgiven. The Bible says to whom is for, they're forgiven much, they love much. The more you realize you've been forgiven, the more easily you forgive. The more you think I'm a victim or I deserve this or, and, and we forget about his forgiveness, look at what I've done with my life, this is all on me, the more short we are with others, the more we expect, the more entitled we become. But the more we realize I'm nothing, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I, I, God didn't owe me anything, I don't deserve anything. Uh, some people, I forget who it is, there's a couple folks in the church, I'll say, how you doing today? They'll say, better than I deserve, I love that. It's a good reminder. I don't deserve anything. I've got it better than I deserve. And the people that walk in that every day, those that wake up every morning and realize, wow, I'm a recipient of a lot of grace. And I've messed up a lot. And he still loves me. And I've messed up a lot, and my spouse still loves me. And I've messed up a lot, and my kids still love me. And I've messed up a lot, and my church family still loves me. And I've messed up a lot, and this, and you know what? Most of all, even if none of them do, I've messed up a lot. And the creator of the universe, the savior of the world, still loves me. When you walk in the midst of that grace, guess what the natural outflow is? You give grace to people that don't deserve it. You give love to people that don't deserve it. You give forgiveness to people that don't deserve it. Why? Because you've received grace that you didn't deserve. And you've received love that you didn't deserve. And you've received forgiveness that you didn't deserve. Who forgives well? Those who acknowledge how much they've been forgiven. Here's your choice, Christian. Here's your choice when when you've been hurt. You can choose to focus on how you've been hurt or you can choose to focus on how you've been forgiven. This is our choice every time somebody does something to us. Something hurts us. We can choose to focus on how how we've been hurt, or we can choose to focus on how we've been forgiven. And if we focus on how we've been forgiven, then the natural outflow will be, I'm going to extend forgiveness. I'm not going to hold a grudge. I I was trying to think because I knew I'd preach this and maybe I'm not saying I'm perfect at this. I'm not saying there's never anybody that I don't get frustrated with or I don't get angry with, but I, I don't, I don't believe there's a human on this earth that I struggle with bitterness in my heart toward them. That doesn't mean nobody on this planet has ever done anything hurtful to me. Just like you've had people do things hurtful to you but I don't believe by God's grace at this moment in my life. I don't know that I always could have said that. I don't believe there's anybody that I can think of that I hold bitterness or anger toward in my heart. Christ forgave completely. Then lastly, so Christ forgave everyone. Christ forgave completely. And then the last thought regarding forgiving like Christ. Number three, Christ's forgiveness changed everything. Christ's forgiveness changed everything. After he said, you can jot it in your notes, Matthew 27, verse 51. After he, after he, uh, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What does the Bible say in verse number 51? And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. The veil of the temple was rent in twain, rent in two. Christ's forgiveness at Calvary changed our entire relationship forever with the God of heaven. Do you understand the picture of the temple veil being torn in two? It's changing the relationship of man and God forever. You see, before that, the the holy temple in Jerusalem was the center of Jewish religious life. The temple was the place where animal sacrifices were carried out, where worship, according to the law of Moses, was followed faithfully. Hebrews 9 tells us that in the temple a veil separated the holy of holies, the earthly dwelling place of God's presence, from the rest of the temple where men dwelt and where men met. This signified that man was separated from God by sin. Only the high priest was permitted to pass beyond the veil and to enter into the presence of God once each year to make atonement for their sins. What significance is the torn veil for us today? Above all, the tearing of the veil at the moment of Jesus' death, it symbolized dramatically that his sacrifice, the shedding of his own blood, was a sufficient atonement for sins. It signified that now the way into the Holy of Holies was open for everyone for all time, both Jew and Gentile. Everything was changed. When Jesus died, the veil was torn, and God moved out of that place never again to dwell in a temple made with hands. God was through with the temple in that religious system. In a sense, it was symbolic of Christ himself, the veil. John fourteen six, it says he was the, he's our high priest now. Now, Christ is our high priest, and as believers in his finished work, we partake of his better priesthood. We can now enter the holy of holies through him. His forgiveness, the blood of Jesus, is that living way which he opened for us through the veil that is through his flesh. Here it is, Jesus Christ through his death, which was his forgiveness, removed barriers between God and man. We have complete access to him and complete forgiveness in him. His forgiveness changed everything about the relationship. It changed everything about the way that man approached God. It changed everything about the way that God dwelt in man. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It is finished. He gave up the ghost and the veil rent in two. His forgiveness changed everything. It changed humanity. And may I say this to each one of us tonight? I suggest to you that your forgiveness, it may not change everything about that relationship because you can't control the other party in that relationship. We're dealing with two sinful people or maybe more. In a broken relationship, you're dealing with two sinful parties. You're dealing with deep hurt and pain. It may not—I'm not here to say you forgive them, and it's going to be all—I'm not here to say it may not change everything about that entire relationship, but it will change everything about your heart toward that relationship. Forgiveness will change everything about your—and by the way, without even knowing it, it will change your heart toward other relationships— Forgiving that person that hurt you that maybe isn't even in your life anymore will change your relationship with those that are in your life today. We we can't compartmentalize these things. We're not not robots. We can't just program this section of our computer brains to do this. It seeps into every area. The Bible says, be careful lest that root of bitterness, what does it say? That root of bitterness in our hearts springs up. And then what does it say? It defiles what? Many. That one root of bitterness ends up defiling many relationships, many situations. It It has an impact far beyond what we ever would have imagined. And so, my question to you today is Who have you not forgiven in your life? These things come up often as I work with people and we walk through things in their lives. Was there a, a name or a face that came to your mind while I preached this evening? Was there a situation that's come to mind? Well, when they ask me, I'll forgive them. No, forgive like Christ. Father, I release it to you. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. You do what you're going to do with it. In my heart, I forgive them. I, I, I release that anger, I release that bitterness, I release that grudge, I release that ill will. I don't ho- hope something bad happens to them. God, you've given me too many relationships that need to be healthy for me to dwell on this one that's unhealthy. You've given me too many people in my life that I need to love well to, to, to take any emotional energy, uh, being angry or bitter or frustrated or, or vengeful toward that person. God, Father, forgive them they know not what they do. What, what is he saying there? He's really giving them the benefit of the doubt. They don't even mean it. Now, I would say knowing how they treated Jesus, they meant every word they said. They knew what they were doing. And he was justified in saying, and you're going to hell and you're going, and, and I'm going to kill you right here. And that, He would have been humanly justified. But what did Jesus say? I'm just going to believe, I'm going to believe that they don't even know, they don't even know what they're doing. They can't even see how what they're doing is going to end up hurting them, and I'm not going to hold on to it. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And here's my challenge to you, a simple, really more of a devotional truth than a deep Bible study tonight, but something that could change everything in your life is true, complete forgiveness. Forgiveness. That one that hurt me deeper than anybody's ever hurt me, that did me wrong intentionally or unintentionally, that mistreated me, that lied about me, that thought wrong about me, that twisted my words, that betrayed me, that one I invested in for years that walked away from me, that kissed me on the cheek so that people would know who to take in as a prisoner. That one that I loved as one of my closest human relationships, Judas, father. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. By the way, at times that forgiveness will make a huge impact in their lives, but not always. But every time, it can make a huge impact in your life. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, How, how much? Even as God, for Christ's sake, Forgiven you. Oh, maybe he just meant that to that one church. Maybe they were dealing with something. Well, Church of Colossae. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. As Christ, how did Christ forgive me? He forgave everything. He forgave everyone, and his forgiveness changed everything. He forgave completely nothing beyond the reach of his forgiveness, no one beyond the reach, and no thing beyond the reach and it changed everything. This could change so much about your spirit, your heart. By the way, it can have physical benefits when your spirit and your anger, letting that go can end up not just having spiritual but physical benefits in your life. Letting go of whatever that is that you've been holding on to. Maybe people know about it in your life and maybe they don't. And by the way, maybe the person you forgive will never be worthy of that forgiveness. They may never ask for it. They may never say thank you. They may actually spit in your face when you go to give it. What did they do after he said, Father, forgive them? They kept playing games to win his his clothes. He just said, Father, forgive them, and the Bible says, and they kept parting his raiments. Hey, I want that piece, that's my souvenir. No, 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 I get his jacket. No, 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 I get his his clothes. They spat in his face, figuratively speaking after he extended the greatest gift of forgiveness. And that may happen to you. But God's in control of all of that, isn't he? And our command, our responsibility is forgive. Don't walk through this, life is too short to walk through it bitter and angry and vengeful. And yet, we do so often. Humanly speaking, often justified because people can deeply hurt other people. Spiritually speaking, not justified. Because as Christ forgave us, that's the level we're supposed to forgive. And you know who forgives well? Those who realize how much they've been forgiven. You know who gives grace well? Those who realize how much grace they've been given. And every day when somebody twists our words and somebody lies about us and somebody falsely accuses and somebody does us wrong and somebody walks away and somebody spits in our investment, you know what we have the choice to do? We can focus on how much we've been hurt or we can focus on how much we've been forgiven. And when we focus on how much we've been forgiven, you know what our natural response will be? God, if you can forgive me, I've done far worse to you. If you can forgive me and love me with your help, I'm going to try to forgive them and love them with a Christ-like love. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.